is going on guys Matt Downs with Daily Grind Fantasy Sports to break down this MMA slate it is a Saturday it looks like 13 fight slate me and Kevin have purposefully not discussed this whatsoever I literally we we were about to talk about it and he was like you know what it's a lot let's just go ahead and just fire up the video and start going through all of this so um, before we start I just want to go over a couple of things on patreon guys we are covering every single sport if you are new to this channel feel free to sign up for patreon today uh, we actually hired some new coaches in the discord chat and Kevin being one of them for MMA we have about four to five of them who will interact with you guys daily and just make sure you guys are all on the same page make sure your DFS um, skills are being critiqued and that your lineups are also being set we have a blast in there we talk DFS 24 7 and because we are growing that much is the reason I decided to go that route but nonetheless I mean we are a growing community one of the fastest growing DFS communities in the entire industry so if you guys want to sign up for that again it's only $20 a month I mean you can literally go to dinner for more expensive than that so I mean it's it's just a huge one of the best values in the market so um, again feel free to sign up today if you are interested in that patreon $20 a month we cover every single sport and with NBA and MLB coming back shortly all the NBA guys just moved into their dorms down in Orlando so that should be starting up here within the next couple weeks all right so enough jibber jabber let's go ahead and dive right into this Kevin how do you feel about one of the biggest slates um, of the year so far I'm super excited I mean this is usually around the time of international fight week so I think this is uh, Dana White and the UFC's answer to that. I mean, this is I'm, – I'm really excited for this. I think it's the best card. I mean, debatably the best card. We had a real good one, I think, when we kicked off uh, the first fight since the quarantine started because they wanted to do us a favor and give us a bunch of good fights. But I think this one might even trump it. Right. So before we jump too far ahead because I usually forget about this, do you want to go ahead and recap just real quick? Well, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. Yep, two weeks ago yeah. we had UFC uh, Fight Night Poirier versus Hooker. I mean, this was an amazing card. Uh, the main event absolutely lived up to the hype. I tried to tell everyone to watch this. I told my friends. I was like, get to viewing this fight <laughs> any way you can. I mean, we crushed it um, in DFS on this card. I think minus the Blades and Volkov uh, card the, the week before, I think we've cashed in like seven of our eight like last MMA fights. Or, yep, or some events, crazy rather. like that. Yeah, we've, we've been crushing MMA, so this was good to get back on track after that weird uh, Blades and Volkov one. So going through the fights, I mean, just real quick, we got uh, Zalal, got us a win early. We had a lot of pieces of him. He didn't score a ton of points, but a win's a win. Um, we we talked about how you always wanted a piece of Bozer and Leans, as, even with it was a plus 160 finish chance, I believe, that uh, fight had. And I remember we kept talking, like, you want a piece of this fight and ended up uh, paying off as, especially for the people who took Bozer um, as he got a quick knockout. Um, Kama Worthy was one of our top punts and he ended up submitting Lu uh, Luis Pena late in that fight, so that was big. Uh, Sato was our, I think, our most core pick um, and bang for your buck as someone backed out and it just made a lot of sense and he ended up getting that first round finish, living right up to the hype. So, Maurice Green, I think we had in all contests. He, he got a weird submission at the end. I mean, he was already hitting his price point, but then he got a bizarre submission over uh, Jean Vellante at the end. So, that was big. And then uh, we stacked the main event and I think just about every single one of our cash games at least. And boy, did, I mean, that, that was an unreal fight. That was one of the best fights I've seen in a long time. I remember Chael Sonnen said, I think, round two of that fight between Poirier and Hooker was the best round he's seen in MMA, um, hmm. which might be true. I mean, it was, in terms of the best fights we've seen within the past year-ish, I mean, that goes alongside Usman and Kobe, Joanna and Zhang. I mean, that was awesome. Um, awesome card. So, I'm super excited to break this one down, because this one is uh, living up to, or looks to have that kind of hype behind it that I hope it can live up to as well. Yeah, absolutely. I know that uh, just from 
spectator perspective, that was one of the best cards to watch. Um, I was definitely intrigued. And then, you know, after after I've been kind of on the back burner here, just observing UFC just from your perspective and everything, I've definitely grown a fan. And since we've been posting these videos, these have been the most popular videos on our channel. So I, I know that we're getting a, a lot of views from this, and I know a lot of popularity. So I think we are single-handedly growing the fan base here with MMA, and we're going to keep going forward. So let's go ahead and finally dive right into this 13 fight slate, Kevin, if you wouldn't mind kicking it off absolutely absolutely and it's funny I, I i talked about how interested i was in this card and i'll tell you right off the rip it's it's not to contradict that but the first couple like three fights i really don't have a ton of interest in uh, from a dfs standpoint and i'll get into why and it's and it's honestly because of how good the other fights are for the most part um but just leading off, we have Davy Grant versus Martin Day. And um, Davy Grant has this weird dynamic where he kind of seems to either submit his opponent or get submitted. Uh, Martin Day has never been submitted. So I think those two pieces of information put together make Day a semi-attractive option, maybe in GPP. But I pers personally think this is definitely a fadeable fight. Um, there's a lot of volatility here. Both fighters aren't super high level. And this fight has a lower finish chance, so... And like I said, I just think there's a lot of better options on this card. You don't have to be picky on this uh, or choosy on this card. There's just a lot of good options. There's 13 fights. Uh, you, you can play God a little bit here. So um, moving on, we have uh, Cal Rosa versus Vanessa Mello. I mean, again, I have no interest in any piece of this fight unless, Matt, you can convince me otherwise um, with an absurdly low ownership of uh, Cal Rosa. So uh, I am curious. What's her ownership looking like? Rosa is actually one, two, three, four, five, six spots down in ownership, which actually isn't too bad. I'd say around the middle of the pack, but definitely fadeable. Um, yeah. So, so she, yeah. she's the third most expensive fighter on the card. Um, so she's somewhere to put your stud money. So I guess, or, or you, that would be your stud money. I'm not saying you should do it, mm -hmm. um, but it, it could be a leverage play. I mean, if she's the sixth highest owned on the card, you know, that could be, if she gets a finish, uh, that would be a lot of leverage versus um, where a lot of people are probably going to put their money in one of the main, uh, main event or title fights. So I could see that. That's the only thing I could see having any interest in this fight. I mean, she is a solid fighter, but she, she has a lot of uh, decisions. I think she has as many decisions as she does finishes. So I'm not super interested in that. Um, and her only UFC fight was a split decision. Vanessa Mello, on the other hand, uh, she piques my interest less than just about any fighter I've ever seen. <laughs> She's 10 and seven with eight decisions and I'm falling asleep talking about her. So I'm going to move on. I have no interest in Vanessa Mello at all. Um, moving on to, uh, I mean, the the next fight is Paiva versus uh, Zuma, Zumagalov. As I said earlier, there are so many good options on this card, and you don't need to be choosy. This is another one of those kind of ones where you don't need to be choosy. Um, I'm sure you can separate yourself in GPP with this one. Um, what's the ownership looking like on this one? This looks to be combined ownership-wise the lowest out of all the That's fights exactly what i was leaning towards i mean i just that's why you can separate yourself especially in a big tournament but it, it is good reason for it it has a very high uh odds to go the distance it's two pretty unknown guys i mean paiva being the favorite here but he's a technical striker it's good accuracy but he's not a prolific finisher and if someone's not a prolific finisher i want to at least see a path to hitting that price point whether it's your takedowns your passes or at least volume on your feet and he doesn't really bring enough of that in any direction to make me want him uh, in my lineup as a non-finisher. So I think we can move past him as well. Um, now, 
like I said, I kind of want to, I don't like, again, if you want to target any of those fights, especially, like I said, there's, there might be some leverage there in GPP, just in big tournaments, just due to the extremely low ownership. If say, say Piva comes out and get a first, gets a first round knockout. I mean, that'll separate you large, uh, in a large way in a large tournament. You know what I mean? But other than that, I mean, I don't have a lot of interest in those, but real quick, uh, real quick, Kevin, I was about to say question. Real quick, um, I want to go off on a tangent real quick and, and explain what you mean by leverage because for everybody who is viewing our, our videos um, and our channel for the first time, uh, one thing we preach on Patreon is leverage. And for all you old guys, you guys are rolling your eyes right now as I talk about this because I preach it in every single one of my videos. Um, but for you new people, um, what leverage means is that these are, these are fighters whose ownership are so low to the point where they usually don't make sense and because of that if you play somebody with this ownership in a gpp and they happen to, to um perform well or perform beyond the standards that were originally said like by kevin here kevin's um not high on any one of these guys they might end up being good leverage plays so if they're if their ownership is near five to ten percent which is what some of these fighters are projected at and they do overperform and they happen to be in the top six optimal fighters that is huge leverage and that's one thing that we will focus on on their patreon which is another thing i always preach so when he talks about leverage that's what we're talking about and uh moving on so yeah i just wanted to get yeah. that in there no absolutely i mean that's and that's what gives me a little you know the certain fighters will always be intriguing because that's single singular word you know what i mean right. because of leverage that makes some of those fights uh intriguing but other than that not really looking at especially for core or cash games um but moving on to uh marcin tybura versus maxim grishin i mean um romanov pulled out of this fight and was supposed to fight tybura i believe but um so there's a little bit of leverage here from a pullout, but it's not much. It's just a little bit of leverage, but it means you can get essentially a 50-50 chance at a fighter for 7,900 in Tybura. Um, he's, you know, he's got a, a lot of power and this fight is expected to end within the distance. Um, I think he will be east decently owned being, being uh, 7,900. Real quick, being, when, was this, yeah. when was he pulled out of the fight? Um, Romanov? Yeah. I believe uh, a couple days ago, two days okay. ago, three days. That's interesting because the ownership has adjusted and he's still very low. So I'm going to check again in the morning. This is one of those things that we have to just kind of sit back and wait for the ownerships to update. Right now he's sitting at 16%, which is like crazy low. So, I mean, if that is the case, give me all of Tybura, please. What? Yeah, what's uh, Grishin's at? Uh, 14 Okay, so that's so I had both of them. I mean, they made it into my GPP plays. I had both of them, and I was leaning towards maybe Grishin just due to the mm -hmm. fact I assumed his ownership would be so much. It's that whole thing we talk about all the time. The slightly more expensive guy right. in, a, in a near 50-50 will be so much higher owned. But, I mean, if it's that close, I mean, Tybura might be where you want to put your money then instead, you know. So right. I, I did like both of them, but now it's definitely leaning towards Tybura. Sure. Um, yeah, again, we have to wait for the updated ownership in the morning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, so both are intriguing. I mean, Tybura has good finish ability. He's, he's a UFC vet. Um, he has as many wins as he does losses. I want to say he's five and five uh, in the UFC, um, which is, I mean, that's a solid that's a solid day in the office. You know what I mean? That's making a career off the um, off the sport in the UFC. So now Grishin makes his octagon debut, which is a little interesting. He's fought in a couple big organizations like pfl and you know some legit ones he's also coming up from like heavyweight which is intriguing so we'll see how he makes the adjustment at heavyweight but he has good finish ability as well um with a little more dominance in his hands and grappling but i think the odds makers really hit the nail on the head with this one because i think this is essentially a coin flip um 
in all aspects of the of the term because there's a lot of variables and there's a lot of uh, questions here. You know what I mean? Tybura has shown that he can hang at the top level at a heavyweight in the UFC, um, at least to, like I said, a 50-50 record. And now we have a guy who's done very well in other organizations but is now coming to the big stage and is going up a weight class so there there's a lot of volatility here and that's why i definitely think there's gpp leverage here especially uh obviously for the winner so so out of the first four fights that we've been, that we've kind of run through this is your favorite gpp wise absolutely it's okay. my it's, it's my favorite just in general of, of, of okay. in any, any any facet of the first four fights um so then yeah moving on we got uh leonardo santos versus roman bogatov this one's interesting for sure as well. Um, Leonardo Santos is like, he's like a stray cat that stops by your house from time to time. You never know when you're going to see this kid, man. I'm telling you, he's gone for like a while and he comes back. Like he came in, knocked out a stud in Kevin Lee, then disappeared for a year, came back, got a win, then vanished for like another three years or something. And then he came back in a big way and knocked out Stevie Ray. So I just want to see more of him. I mean, I think he's a really good fighter. And the crazy thing is, um, when we're talking about his knockouts, I mean, I just mentioned two of his big knockouts. That's not even his bag. He, he's a ridiculously high-level grappler. I mean, he's meddled in the ADCCs multiple times. Um, he, he's a ridiculously good grappler. Now, Bogatov is a good grappler in his own right and enters the UFC boasting like a very squeaky clean 10-0 record. But there's still a big gap, I think, in that grappling level. There's, there's a difference between getting some submissions at lower organizations and have and being proficient grappling and being the level that Santos is, you know, like achieving so much at, at real high grappling levels. So I think Santos would pour it on him if it ends up on, to the ground. I, I, I hope Bogatov thinks that he can hang with him because I do want a piece of Santos and GPP. Um, what's his ownership looking like? Santos or Bogatov? San Santos. Santos is 20.5, which is a little bit Perfect. lower than um, middle of the pack. And then we have an 8.4% ownership on Bogatov. Perfect. That's kind of where I figured. Not a lot of people know Santos. Um, he's a good place. I mean, for 8,800, that might be a good place in GPP to put your money. That's exactly where I kind of figured him. Um, there's, Like I said, I think there's still such a big gap um, in grappling just because of how good Santos is. And I'm hoping Bogatov thinks he can grapple with him. Because I think that means Santo can, Santos can hit a big price point in his takedowns, his passes, and and maybe even a su submit him. Um, and then on their feet, I mean, Santos, like I said, has showed some knockout power. So I do think it's a better – I mean, this guy is 10-0 for a reason, so I do think it's a better GPP option more than a core. But I do think Santos makes it into a lot of my GPP lineups. All right. Awesome. I'm convinced. Yeah. <laughs> um, then moving on again to another fight I like. Uh, we've got Makwan Amirakani versus Danny Henry. Um I like Mirakani a lot in this one. He comes in as a super heavy favorite for a decent price. I mean, in comparison, like, so he's a minus 200 at $8,600 versus, say, who we just talked about, Santos, who is a minus 175 for 8800 mm -hmm. So this is this is good bang for your buck. You know what I mean? Like I said, a minus 200 at 8600 It's a pretty good deal. I think there's value here right off the bat for that reason. And to boot this fight is heavily expected to end within the distance so th this is definitely leaning towards more core to me it just makes sense in so many ways and then when you break down the fight i, I mean mirakani has a very obvious uh, goal in this fight he wants to take it to the ground he has 10 submission finishes of his 15 wins and he has really strong wrestling to get the fight to where he wants so he can hit a high value just with his wrestling and passes if he doesn't get the finish um, he's coming off a tough loss to Shane Burgos, but Shane Burgos is very tough. I mean, Danny Henry is coming off a loss, too, to another tough opponent, Dan Ige, who submitted him uh, pretty early in the fight, 
Now, what I like about this one is Amir Khani, like I said, coming off a tough loss and then he got knocked out by Shane Burgos. I am pretty darn confident that Henry doesn't have near the stand-up that Burgos does, so I don't think he's going to be able to put that stand-up pressure on Amir Khani that Burgos did. Now, on the flip side, like I said, Danny Henry was submitted by Dan Ige, and Amir Khani absolutely can do that. He has what Ige has and more, in my opinion. I think he's a better grappler than Ige, so if Dan Ige can submit Henry, I think that uh, Amir Khani can absolutely submit uh, Henry. So, and so that's where I see that path to victory for him. Americani's ownership is reflected in what you basically just said, 29.3%. So I think that's the second highest out of all the fighters that we discussed so far. Yeah, so that's where I'm kind of seeing him more in that core category. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on, we got Dos Santos versus uh, Salikov. Muslim Salikov, I, I think, makes a great pick here in GPP as well. Um, and maybe even Dos Santos. This is another one. What's the ownership looking off the rip? Just the... Uh, um, 20.3%. Uh, they have the decimals. It's throwing me off. <laughs> 12.6%. I know. I keep thinking you mean like 23%. No. Um, that's funny. So and so twenty essentially 20 and 20, 12, is that what you 20 said? 20 and 12, yeah. Okay, cool. So, I mean, this one's creeping up uh, in favoritism for Salikov. Another one where I kind of like that, if you just look at the value here, he's 8,200 and he's a minus 145. I mean... That's pretty good, you know. That's that's good value. He's and especially where you look at someone who's a prolific finisher such as uh, Salikov, he's got seventy five percent of his wins are coming by way of knockout with a couple submissions to boot. So just he has that in his game too. And I like to see that Dos Santos. I like him on the flip side, um, especially with the extremely low. He's he's the one who's twelve. You said yes. He carrying twelve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's got extremely low ownership. I mean, and he's a pretty damn good fighter himself, man. He he has real knockout power. And I think um, this is going to be a good fight. That's it's going to end in a finish. I mean, the the odds makers reflect that they think it's going to end in a finish, and I think this is a good GPP leverage play as well. Yeah, I can agree with that. Just looking at the odds, um, just real quick, I also want to throw in here: we're halfway through the fights, and we told I before we started, I told Kevin to kind of speed it up. Um, we're at 18 minutes, so we're on good pace. Um, I just want to let everybody know, uh, Kevin puts a lot of research into this, guys. So, again, if you guys could support the channel by please smashing that like button. Uh, if you guys enjoy the content, uh, we get, we're we going to keep putting this out. And, uh, again, we just really appreciate all the support recently. And uh, I just want to give uh, Kevin a breather because it just sounds like he's out of breath at this point. Just going speeding, <laughs> speeding through all these fights. But let's go ahead and get back on track. Well, to be honest, I just wanted, like I said, I want to get through those first three especially because yeah, yeah. uh, there's just so many good fights on this card that aren't those first three. <laughs> right. And I just wanted to get to them because, uh, I mean, well, like just just the last ones we talk about, I mean, um, Amir Khani versus Henry and Dos Santos versus Salikov, those, oh, Santos back in the mix. I mean, those are going to be great fights. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the heavyweight one, that the, fir- the first quote-unquote good fight. <laughs> now I'm finally opinion. starting to see uh, fighters that I recognize, so... Thank yeah, goodness. that's great. They're that. starting to see some uh, familiar names. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, so the first fight uh, before the uh, main event would it be the uh, the prelim uh, main event, which is Vulcan Ozdemir versus Yuri mm-hmm. Prochaska. Um, probably the number one fight to target on this card if you're just looking at, like, finish ability. I think this has probably, in my opinion, the highest finish chance. And 
just off the fact, you have two super hard-hitting light heavyweights here. I mean, if you watch MMA, you should know Volkan Ozdemir. He fought for the title against DC, and uh, he has some great highlight reel knockouts. On the other hand, you have a very intriguing fighter in Yuri Prochaska. He is making his UFC debut, which usually sounds a little scary, but this guy's fought in a ton of different organizations that are like high-level organizations, and he's knocked out legit people like C.B. Dalloway and King Mo and, you know, people who are considered at that UFC level. So... He has an absurd, and this is crazy, year he has 23 knockouts of his 26 wins. Oh, so, wow. I mean, he's got hands, and, and that's the thing. So, what does the ownership look like on this? I'm curious. 23.4% uh, to 12%. Okay, so that's kind of where I figured, because I put Vulcan more in my core. Um, Yuri might be that one of those kind of like GPP, not punt, but like, lo like lower-end guys, because... Like I said, I mean, he's got 23 knockouts, and it's not just a bunch of bums. I mean, he's got some legit guys he's knocked out. Like I said, if you knock out King Mo and CB Dalloway, you got hands. So I, th I think that he's a legit shot. I do like Vulcan here. I'm going to have a piece of Vulcan in most of my lineups just because I've seen him. I've seen him hang at the top level. You know I mean? Like I said, he had a title shot, so he's, he's a little more proven, but... I want to say this before we continue, um, and this is just in reference to ownership. The ownership is drastically higher once we get to the main card here. Uh, fights one through five are like so much higher than all these these fights from six to twelve or six to thirteen rather. And it's just so funny. It's so funny because people are just they're hanging on the names, and they do that in every other sport. But that's the one benefit that you guys get to listening. To uh, Kevin and this podcast and this this YouTube channel, is you get this inside scoop and looking at uh, an inside scoop at all these ownerships. I mean, we just got done talking about all these guys, all these other fighters that people don't know anything about. But then you get these casual DFS players who are logging on and playing DFS just to you know get something uh, in addition to watching the fight, getting a, a benefit to watch a fight, and just making it more fun. You know, that's where we're sharks, right? We, we go in and we take all the money because of all these other fighters that Kevin knows about and that we do not. But it's just so much funny. When you start asking me about the ownership, I cannot wait to get your expression on some of these ownerships because they're, <laughs> they're, they're just pretty funny. That's exactly, yeah. It's, it's the price tag and the names that get people, especially the casuals, to kind of yeah. like hop in and just say, oh, well, I know that name. Or, But a lot of people don't realize, a lot of these people are washed up too. <laughs> you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, and, now, and now not in this case, I'm saying, but just in general. I mean, they'll see a name that was relevant five years ago and be like, he's probably still good. And that's not always the case. I mean, right. perfect example. If you took, uh, as we move on we're up to Peter Yan, if you took Uriah Faber because you thought uh, – he still had it compared to Peter Yan. You probably were hurting that day. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, yeah. but, um, so yeah, moving on to the main event, we got Amanda Rebus, uh, versus Paige Van Zant. Another, another one where it's, it's Paige Van Zant's a pretty big name. Um, I think to be honest, I'd say it's, it's cause she's, she's gorgeous looking and that's, she's, <laughs> she, and she's very popular. If you look at her like Instagram followers and stuff like that, it's crazy how much more popular she yeah. is than Welcome people who are Instagram so right much. <laughs> it's crazy how much more popular she is than like, say, good fighters because I, I just really don't think she's super talented I mean she she gets thrown she, some bones sometimes and she can put some people away but like when she fights anybody who has some talent uh, she gets decimated and I think that's what's most likely going to happen here Amanda Rebus is good um, I think she's going to hold high ownership this is a crazy high favorite she's coming in around a minus 800 and hence her 9500 price tag now I think it's going to put her in good core like I said ownership will probably be through the roof on her um, what's she looking like right now <laughs> So out of the five fights, this is actually the fifth, fifth lowest ownership. 
as Interesting. Five. Now that was the, the only reason I'm I'm wondering if that's because uh, the price tag. Price tag. Because right? it's it's ninety five. I mean, it's hard to do a lot with ninety five. I mean, ninety three is a lot. Ninety five is. But I mean, this is the highest. If you're looking for a win, this is the highest odds by a cataclysmic amount on the card. I mean, right. minus 800 is ridiculous. Page Van Zandt coming at a plus 500. You break that into a win percentage that's at 90. percent So you're yeah. looking at a 90 percent chance for a free. I mean, you could even argue it's going to be higher than that. But 90 percent. That's that's a pretty good set in stone uh, win percentage. Exactly, and that's, I mean, you're looking at a minus 120 finish chance. I mean, that's, to be fair, in, in a lot of girls' fights and women's fights, this is what you need to have as a separation to even get, like like I said, there's a very minute favoritism in a finish in this fight, and that's with a minus 800. You know what I mean? That's like, if that was a minus 800 in a guy, a men's heavyweight fight, there would be a minus 630 finish. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. It would be, it's ridiculous. So, so that's, that's I'm just kind thing. of wondering from like a spectator standpoint, why, I and this is just like kind of like off the wall kind of question, why is it that this, this woman in this fight can just get away with this big of a win percentage? Is she really that strategical? Like does she win because she's that good at, I guess, being strategical? Or, or what, what, is, I, what is her benefit here? I think honestly, it's just it, it is a lot of the lower finish chances um, because when you have when you add a high finish chance to a fight, it adds a variable, an unforeseen event that could happen. You know what I mean? Right. And where a lot of these women's fights do end in a decision, um, it's a little bit more predictable. If someone's better on their feet and they're better at wrestling, and, and it's not going to end in a finish, you can kind of predict that person's going to win a high percentage of the time. Now, if you throw someone who has on like the underdog has a lot of power or has a real shot at a submission finish, there's always going to be that that variable that puncher's chance that brings down the odds and that's why you don't see these kind I of see. i mean the last time i've seen odds like this is because uh it was the women's fight um who was it macy barber versus uh roxanne modafferi it's the last time i saw something anything close to this and modafferi ended up actually winning uh because macy barber got hurt and tore her knee but because mm -hmm. again anything can happen it's a fight but th that is a, that's a great question i think that's honestly why it's just because of the lower finish chance it's it becomes almost more predictable of uh, who whose skill set is going to take over? So it, it just seems like from a Vegas perspective, a lot of these Vegas um, odd makers they're they're very they're very skeptical with these these high finish chance fights. They're always close, like no matter what, or closer, I should say. It, yeah. It's like it's it's almost like I've never seen anything over like a seventy percent win percentage with such a high finish chance. So yeah. it's yeah okay that makes sense. All right, I'm yeah. Just exactly. kind of throwing it out there for the casuals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a great it's a great uh question because I mean, you wonder why. You know, what I mean, it's 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 such a high difference. But mm -hmm. um, so moving on to an another women's fight that uh, this one I, I like a lot in a competitive nature. I mean, I'm curious, to, very curious to hear the ownership on this one. What's what's this looking like? We got Jessica Andrade versus Rose Namajunas. It's actually pretty split, and they're both right at about twenty nine percent, twenty eight and twenty nine percent. Yeah, that that makes sense to me because honestly, like this. This is crazy. Oh, this is wait, wait, real quick. Um, mm -hmm. It looks like, okay, that makes sense because the price tag's so low. And the ownership's actually higher on the cheaper. Um, That's what I kind of, yeah. I figured just because, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy to me that this line is looking how it is. I mean, you have the number one ranked contender in the world in Jessica Andrade and Rose number two. Love Rose. She's one of my favorite um, female fighters in the organization. She's an awesome fighter. But, I mean, they fought before in Jessica Andrade dropped her on her head with a mat return a beautiful slam ko dropped her on her head knocked her out so not only is she a higher contender she has beaten rose and she's coming in as a plus 175 
It's just it yeah. doesn't quite add up to the price tag. And I know a lot of people who are close to the sport who I talk to are saying the same stuff. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people who actually are uh, analysts for the sport and, and, and pay attention, keep their ear cl- ears and eyes close to it, are, are saying the same thing. This fight should absolutely be closer line. Um, I am so much more interested in Jessica Andrade, even though I like Rose a lot more. I just I'm more interested just because that that's a, we're looking at an eighteen hundred dollar difference for I don't want to call it a pick 'em, but it's pretty close. It's yeah. pretty close. I mean, it's not like Andrade beat Rose six years ago and she's fallen off in a big way. And this is like a different kind of rematch, like Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz 15 years later. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is uh Jessica Andrade is still in her prime. She looks great. So yeah, if we're breaking it down in terms of percentage. Again, this is a 37% chance for Jessica. So if you're talking about that, a 7,200 price tag for a 37% chance, I'll take that any day. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good fight. And like I said, I do lean towards Andrade just because of the price tag and where I do think it's a close fight. Um, moving on, we got uh, the first title fight, Peter Jan versus Jose Aldo. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that Aldo has lost five times in the last five years. I mean, especially considering the immortal-esque aura he had and carried for so long. But that being said, all five losses were to super studs, the last one being to Marlon Moraes. But again, that was a split decision that the high majority of people think he got robbed on. I mean, I took Marlon in that fight, um, and I, I think he even got robbed, um, and he won that fight. But on the other side of the cage, you have Peter Yan, who I was admittedly a little late to the party with Peter Yan in the sense I thought he was good, but until he started putting people away like Faber and, and really good fighters like John Dodson and Jimmy Rivera, who I think are all excellent and until he started beating them I, I really didn't realize how good he was and he throws real power and and the fact that Aldo has shown he can be knocked out is a little bit scary for Aldo um, Aldo's chin might not be as iron as we first thought it was in previous years um, Connor exposed him once and then Holloway knocked him out twice after that and it showed that mm, this guy's human so I do like Aldo as a punt here um, just because he has so much talent he is so good I mean he's $200 more than Paige Van Zant. And when you look at, like, those two price comparisons and the odds of him hitting a value here over her is just comical. You know what I mean? He's in a five-rounder. He's one of the best, debatably the best uh, um, of all time in, in Feather. And, I mean, I think that this is he's down to Bantam now. But in, in Featherweight, he was one of the best of all time, if not the best Featherweight of all time. So it's it, – he absolutely has a puncher's chance, I think – Jan could be in a good place um, to put your stud money, depending, especially on GPP, depending on ownership. How are we looking there for ownership, Matt? So this is the first fight I thought you would laugh at ownership. Um, it makes sense, but I, I'll just tell you why you'll laugh at it. So Jan is, a, is the second highest owned person on the entire slate at 41.5%. <laughs> and then all those at 27.3%, which is actually still very high compared to some of these other people. If we were talking about the, the earlier fights here that we're – um, referencing in in terms of leverage, this is what I was talking about. I mean, if Aldo just goes out and loses like he's supposed to, there's already a chunk of literally over a fourth of the field gone right there, and that already has a loser. So yeah. that's what I mean in terms of leverage. Like you can pick a winner that's going to have lower percent ownership just by looking in some of these earlier fights, and that right there is enough leverage. So again, that's just it. Just doesn't make sense to me. Again, I think the the public is just looking at the names at this point for for ownership. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think people are going to try to probably, and this the thing is, I mean, I love stacking, especially in cash cash games. You know, I love stacking. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think every time, I mean, you got to pick. You can't just stack every main event and every five round or ever, you know. But every time we've stacked since I think we've been doing MMA videos, it paid off every single time. But that's because we chose the right stacks. And this one, it's it's going to be difficult to choose the right stacks, you know. So yeah. Um, that being said, I'll move on to another one that because you know, people might want to stack that one. But moving on to this one, um, yeah, we'll just wait uh, for the other ships on this one. <laughs> it's gonna blow my mind. Yeah, I mean, I can see why because I'm sure after my synopsis, it'll I'll probably be leaning towards that too. Because um, this is another awesome title fight. I mean, it serves as the co-main for this card. I'm super excited for this one. Though if I had to pick, this is probably like. I think it's going to be the least exciting of the three title fights in terms of it's probably not going to end in a finish. Um, the, but, you know, it's it's two super talented guys that also is it's it's probably going to be why. I mean, I think it's still going to be super exciting. Um, I mean, both guys haven't been finished in a long time. Max hasn't been finished since 2012. And Volkanovski has, uh, hasn't been finished in 2013. And keep in mind, those are the only finished losses they have so they have one finished loss each and it's been seven years at least a piece so don't expect to finish in this one but i mean that's why we're looking at a plus 200 finish chance almost so and i which i you don't love that going into this but they can hit value without that i mean if you look at they fought once already if you look at volkanovsky in his first fight he throws a decent amount and uh a good good volume and if he wins like last time in similar fashion, you're going to get a hundred ish points out of Volkanovsky. You know what I mean? You're not going to be mm-hmm. sad that you got a hundred points. Um, if you look in the other direction though, which, and this is what interests me, Holloway in a similar loss, if say he loses the same way as last time, he got, I think around 70 DraftKings points. It's and at 7,100. If you could lock me in for 70 DraftKings points at mm-hmm. 7,100, I mean, I'm taking that all day in cash games. You know what I'm saying? And now that's if he loses in a similar fashion, which isn't crazy to think otherwise because he didn't get taken down by Volkanovski. I think Volkanovski was 0 for 4 on takedowns, and he kept it standing and and, and just struck with him. And that's what you want when you stack. You you don't want a guy – you don't want your underdog in a stack getting taken down and ridden out for three periods. Absolutely not. You know what I mean? You want him to be standing, banging, just exchanging shots and just volume. And I think – Showing that good takedown defense and showing that he can he can stand with them. I mean, like I said, seventy points to seventy one hundred. If that happens, that's great. Now, that's if he loses in similar fashion. What if he wins? You know what I mean? Which right. he absolutely could. I mean, Max Holloway, he's not washed up. People think he's out of his prime. He's twenty eight years old. He's like younger than me, <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's still and he still defended the belt like four or five times. Like he is still in his prime. Volkanovski is just really good. So I think this is a good fight to target. I mean, what what was the ownership you were uh, looking at? So. This is the stack that's going to be, or this is the fight that's going to be the most popular stack. Uh, it's it's forty five. <laughs> it's forty five percent for Vol- Volkanovski. I think I said that right. Yep. And um, Hall- Holloway is at forty one percent. So I misspoke. I uh, he is actually the second highest owned person on the slate, and then Holloway is literally fourth. So I, if you're talking about a stack. According to the public, this is going to be where you're going to be putting your eggs into into your basket. That that actually makes me feel better because I was like I thought more people were sleeping on Holloway and I lost a little more faith in the public. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cuz like I said, I mean in a loss, he last time he got 70 points, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I this stack just makes the most sense. It really does. Um, for cash games anyway. For cash games, not GPP. I mean sure. for GPP, I mean I don't know if any of these stacks make sense to be no. honest. I don't know if you're going to get that poorier uh 
Hooker, where both are dropping near 100 points. Now, I can um, almost never suggest a stack in stack GPPs unless GPP. you're literally playing two other people. Yeah, exactly. Like there's And out of those stacks I said we've had extreme success with, I can only think of maybe one where I would have been happy if that was in my GPP. Like maybe yeah. Ro, uh, Joanna and Wiley Zhang. You know what I mean? Where they even, both then, even then you would have had to predict that fight to even do that in the first place. So, I oh, mean, 100%. It's, it's, that, it's this like, is hindsight, 2020. Sure, yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. So, it's yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, moving on to the main event, we got uh, – I'm dying to hear ownership on this one because people absolutely love Masvidal and do not like Usman. Uh, I'm not sure why. They just I think they think he's boring, but they love Masvidal. He's a talker, and I'm curious if the ownership reflects that. It actually doesn't. So Usman is the highest owned on the slate um, at minus 259, which makes sense. And Masvidal, did I say that right? Yep. Uh, 23%. So okay. a little bit below average. That makes sense. That 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 makes me happy because I had Kamaru Usman as my num- number one core either way. <laughs> so right. that, that just People helps. People are for... stupid. They're just not that stupid. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say. Because, I mean, you got a guy who's a minus 240, has um, been extremely dominant in, all, in most of his fights except Covington, who he beat, which just beating Covington alone is a feat in itself. Um and he's only 8,900, which, I mean, eight, only 8,900, but he's not 9,500 like Amanda Rivas. You know what I mean? So, right. And this is a five-rounder, and, and Usman can hit a crazy price point. I mean, he throws good volume, um, and I think you're going to see ba- get back to his wrestling. And if he can take down Tyron Woodley that many times and control him on the ground, he can do the same thing to Jorge Masvidal. I mean, he didn't shoot much against Covington, but I think that's because him and Covington wanted to bang a little bit. And Colby was also an all-American wrestler, like an amazing wrestler, and Jorge is certainly not that even though he has solid takedown defense he's not that there's just levels to this you know um i do like jorge here as a punt or a stack i think he has good enough cardio to last five um we saw nate diaz in the nate diaz fight he looked pretty good and fresh for three i mean he tired a little bit but i think he looks good for five um the only thing is if Usman takes him down a ton obviously like we talked about like in the in the Usman woodley fight that would have been a terrible stack because Woodley didn't hit any value because he was on his back the whole fight. You know what I mean? Right. So you, you, it, the only stack is if you think Masvidal can fight off the takedowns and make Usman fight like he fought Kobe. Now, if he fought, fights him like he fought Kobe and it stands, stays standing, both are going to hit value. Um, and then you always have a, a puncher's chance with Masvidal where he has ridiculous power and he's starting to get that aura about him, like that that kind of swag, like Anderson Silva, Conor McGregor, where it's that smoothness, that fluidity, and like it's the confidence. You know, they just you just they look like they're having fun out there and they just kind of turned a corner. And you don't see that a ton for people that people fake it, but to have that real smoothness like Silva had and McGregor, where they're not scared to get knocked out, they're going to dance around you and they're going to have fun with it. And I think Masvidal's starting to get that, and that's that's a scary thing. So, I mean, he does have power, so he always has that knockout potential. All right. So, I have a, a couple things running through my head. Um, but first, I wanted to wrap it all up and just get our normal core GPP and punts yep. out. So, we're approaching 37 minutes, actually. So, pretty good That's timing. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> As you guys know, I always go over, or well, Kevin goes over the core plays, but I go ahead and mark them on my screen. So if you guys want to follow along, Kevin, let's start with the core. I'm assuming Usman's going to be there. I'll go ahead and start there. Yep, Usman is there. Um, I think he's absolutely makes it in there. And then um, I think uh, Vulc- uh, Vulcan uh, Ozdemir makes it in there too. He's definitely, uh, and, and like I said, Yuri, if you want to put, I'd say that core fight. Because it has so much finish potential, it's a minus two hundred. And like I said, Yuri is I think twenty three for twenty six knockouts. You know what I mean? So Yuri, I think you wanna, where, what fight? What fight is that in? Uh, Vulcan Ozdemir versus uh, 
Yuri um, Pro- Prochaska. What specific fight is that? Uh, it is the sixth fight from the top. So. Oh, I see it. Okay, got it. I got lost. All these no. names. <laughs> so, um, so that's a fight I think you want to target that fight. Um, and then, like I said, Amanda Rebus, um, just off ownership, if she makes it into your lineup. Um, but this is, it's funny, I usually have a lot more core, just because I'm, I'm, I'm a cash games guy. Mm-hmm. I, I do a lot more core than GPP. But this one, I have a, a lot of good G, GPP options, I think. Um, so I'll get into those, too. I mean, there's, there's a lot of just good options on this card, as we broke down, you know. And then there's 13 fights, so you're going to have some leverage and so, some some def, definitely different. Definitely lower than supposed to be ownerships on this. Yeah, 100%. So... Um, I think like for GPP, we're looking at Grishin and Tibera. I mean, the slightly heavier price tag we, we thought might separate um, Grishin and Tibera, but I mean, it, it doesn't look like that yet. We can look at the adjusted uh, ownership, but um, I do like both here. Tibera is coming in as a little bit cheaper, so if he if he doesn't cruise past Grishin in ownership, maybe go him. If he does, take Grishin. You know. Yeah, then next up, we got uh, Muslim Salikov versus Dos Santos. I mean, huge knockout power from both guys. We talked about the ownership. Ownership makes sense. Um, and the winner will definitely be a big leverage play. So I think that's probably the best overall GPP to target. Um, and then uh, Leonardo Santos, as we talked about, low, lower ownership. I want to say we right now we're looking, I think you said, around 20%. Um, another place to put your higher money. I mean, that's one of the hardest things to do when we're talking about GPPs. I mean, sometimes it's easier in GPPs to pick the uh, underdogs or the, the cheaper guys. But when you have to put your your stud money somewhere and you have to separate yourself from the, the, the pack, this is uh, it's hard to do sometimes. And I think this is a good place to do it at 8,800. And uh, Leonardo Santos just has crazy finish ability. Um, and I think he could get it done. So um, in terms of punts, Punts are interesting in this one. I mean, I think all three title fights are your best punt options on this card. I shouldn't say your best, but are all awesome punt options because um, there's one more I want to add. But plain and simple, those are three awesome options. Just being in five rounders, all three of these underdogs have the gas tank to make it five rounds and hit the vol uh, hit the volume and the value. Um, even in a loss, mm-hmm. I think they can hit their price points. Um, I love stacking the right title fights, as we just talked about. It's paid dividends nearly every time we've done it, but I think all three are good options, though my order probably right off the top is Holloway, then Masvidal, then Aldo, if we're talking just the uh, three main event underdogs. But again, if you think they're not going to get taken down and you think they can strike a bit, there's a good chance they hit value, especially with the, um, the volume that all three possess. So, And then the last punt on the the card here is Jessica Andrade. I mean, she's 7,200, number one contender, and has beaten Rose before. There's not too much more to talk about on that. I mean, she's just a great punt option. All right, so you kind of... You kind of uh, led this up to a good segue. So I'm going to throw a random question at you, and we're going to end on this note. In terms of strategy, we usually talk about strategy, but for this mm-hmm. slate, um, I think the GPP is pretty straightforward. We're going to have to take some good leverage spots here in, the, in some of these these no-name fights, which we've already alluded to many times throughout this video. Um, we'll be posting it to the Patreon page and our favorite leverage plays once we have all the ownership uh, projections updated tomorrow morning. But for cash... Um, I want to hear your thought on this, just from a strategy uh, I, I, I know what you're going to say. I feel like I know what you're going to say. Yeah, say you, you probably do. Because I've been thinking about it all week. But so, go, are say, we say. double stacking two <laughs> fights, two main, I, two main fights, and then say. coming back with uh, some other heavy favorites? Because, technically... And this is all. This is, of course, if if our um, if our other guys that we take sense, off of these yeah. fights actually win, four out of six usually gets it done. And especially with the inflated ownership in some of these fights, I could 
definitely seeing that be being a viable option. What are your thoughts? And I'm assuming I'm getting a, a positive vibe from this. Uh, it's a positive vibe, as a, but it also is just an intrigued vibe because I was going to text you earlier in the week and ask you about this. And I was like, what do you think? And I'm going to take it a step further. I'm not saying I want to do this. What would you think if you just stacked the three main events on this one? Just what, what happened? Straight up three. That... Guaranteed three wins, guaranteed three losses. But like I said, I mean, with the, the ownership and, and just who the underdogs are in this, I mean, if one wins – you might have enough to separate yourself, and even if they don't, you might cash anyway. <laughs> I'll say this: I don't think that the owner, or I don't think that the salary makes sense for you to do that because I think you have too much left no, over. It we haven't messed around doesn't. with bills. I just, I was just curious. You I know what? I would I kinda, never do it. But. I kind of want to do it in like a free contest, just just to see what it would see what happens. With. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because I was, I was thinking the same thing. It's not going to make sense, but um, because you can obviously get someone who's actually a favorite <laughs> right. um, with your leftover salary. But I was, I was curious, exactly like you're saying. I want to do that in like a quarter contest and just see what happens. I'm curious if you would have cashed if you just did all three. I think I'm going to run a free contest just to see what it would end with. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but so so at least two main events would you or two main fights here? Would you go that crazy? Would you do that and, and then just assume that the four out of six gets it done with the ownership being as inflated as it is? I do. I think you could do that in the cash game. I really think you could you could do that. Yeah, because then I mean it would allow you with these with the uh, remaining salary to go and grab these heavy favorites. They should also be heavily inflated with the ownership. I don't yep. know. I think that might be the optimal build if we sit back and we kind of look at it. I I think I'm going to go that route. I'm not saying do that, guys. I'm saying that that is definitely like if we're if we're pulling back here and we're looking at what the advantage is and what the strategy is for this slate, just looking at ownership, that might be a very viable option. I'd say at least stack one of these fights for cash. At least one. Um, we've already set our favorites, uh, but I'll go ahead and end it on that note. Kevin, any last words? Nope. Just uh, I, I wish everyone luck, and I am super excited for this fight card. So get out there and uh, definitely make sure you watch this fight. Me too. It's, it's uh, you know, it's the only real sports we have going on. We only have to wait a couple more weeks, and then, as you guys know, we have to go back to our roots with NBA. NBA is continuing the season. They are all in Orlando, Florida, all dormed. It looks like a college dorm because they're all rooming together and they're keeping it in this little bubble. It must be, it must be fun for the for those guys, um, because they probably don't get to hang out outside of NBA that much. You know, they're always working out with their teams and stuff. But um, it's it's definitely going to be a great – it's definitely going to be very fun to watch. Um, NBA, we have the NFL obviously coming up. Hopefully that doesn't get derailed with the whole coronavirus thing. Um, and uh, also baseball. So baseball should be coming back here relatively soon. So, guys, stay tuned. If you guys haven't already, please hit that follow button. Please hit that subscription button. And, of course, the notification bell. You guys will be notified by email. And also, if you have the app on your phone – Every single video that we post, you'll be the first to see it. Hopefully the first to comment, ask any questions. Also, yeah, if you guys have any questions, feel free to ask anything in the comment section below. Me and Kevin will both be more than willing to get to all those questions. So with all that being said, guys, have a great rest of your weekend, and let's cash.